do think that there are some permanent changes to the workforce and the way that people live and what people are looking for. And um, I think people are looking for uh, a little bit more rural than what they were looking for before. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. And it looks like we're live. That's awesome. I'm excited. Forrest. All right. This is going to be a lot of fun. So for, for the listener, this is a podcast episode that we're, we're definitely going to put on the Creative Real Estate Podcast as well as the Apartment Investing Show. And what we're talking about today is we're talking about just post-pandemic, what's going on after COVID. And, um, or I guess, guess we're kind of in COVID, but we're going to be talking a little bit about what's going to happen, what may happen, what Forrest is doing a little bit differently. Forrest has been involved. Uh, Dr. Forrest Bryant has been involved in uh, real estate for a long time. He was a dentist and you're, you, do you still practice dentistry? No, no I don't practice anymore. Not since, uh, actually I haven't practice dentistry for almost a decade and since 2011 but uh we sold our uh dental dental business back in 2016 so i'm just on the uh on, help helping dentists and doctors now cool and uh, so so forrest has been doing a lot of investing for a long time and and right now he he manages a, a group of people that also invest in different asset classes. And so we're going to be talking about those asset classes and what it, they all look like post-pandemic and uh, kind of what's happening, some of the trends that we're seeing because of COVID. Um, so let's, let's jump into that. But I, I do want you to give, a, uh, give us a little bit of a background that I missed that's going to be relevant to what we're talking about today, especially around the post-pandemic. Um, so share, share that with us and we'll get into our six main points. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, uh, Adam, thanks for having me on today. It's always great. Uh, we've known each other for a while now, so it's been, uh, it's, it's been really good to uh, connect with you. And we've been to, uh, we were at uh, a meeting with, with, uh, with Richard down at Family Office Club and got to spend some time there. That was, I don't know, probably a year, year and a half ago or so. But uh, uh, congratulations to you, by the way. I mean, you've just really, I've seen you uh, really just, you know, build this really big following that just loves you and what you do for them. So, uh, so congratulations and thanks for having me on. So, uh, my name's Forrest Bryant. I'm the CEO of High Speed Alliance and, uh, we are a registered investment advisor. So we help doctors and dentists with everything that has to do with their financial life. So that can look like, um, uh, consulting on scaling businesses and building businesses up that can look like tax strategies uh, that can look like everything in the in the uh, investment world so we because we're a registered investment advisor we're able to help our clients with uh, everything in their investment portfolio so um, you know we're licensed in secured uh, uh, in securities and can help on the traditional side so stocks and bonds and mutual funds but a lot a lot of people do that and uh, that's uh, you know, we're not really special in in that aspect, but where I think we are really special is on the alternative side. So uh, we operate as a multifamily office. So we spend a lot of time in the family office space and we look what family offices do. So we're, we're studying the habits of, you know, a family that has 500 million or has 2 billion or 3 billion. And so we try to take those types of investments and those types of services and we try to make that available to our clients. So uh, many family offices invest into two really big things, 
real estate and operating businesses. So those are the two of the biggest things that we uh, provide access to for our clients. So we do a lot on the real estate side. So that's on the residential and on the commercial side. So uh, I think that's where a lot of your, a lot of our discussion will be today talking about, um, I know multifamily and, uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about um, all, all the different uh, asset types and, uh, and then operating businesses. So there's a lot of, a lot of benefits, uh, you know, true wealth many times is made through these two um, investments through real estate and through owning businesses. So, you know, I would say uh, if, if you guys don't hear anything other than that, make sure that uh, is burned in your head that owning businesses and real estate is a, is a way to true wealth. So, um, so we work with, uh, for all of our clients that we take care of all across the United States, we, you know, we, we, uh, we help them with everything from, um, from their businesses to all of their investments to their family. You know, to our two big buzzwords are helping them develop freedom, time freedom, and financial freedom, and also going a step past that into legacy. So we really are passionate about helping our clients do something that helps their family, helps their children, helps their community, and helps make the world a better place. And in, in order to do that, we have to have kind of – uh, this community that we've got, it's not just the doctors and dentists, but we also have what we call our sponsors for our community, and they provide services and investment opportunities for our group. So that can be uh, attorneys and accountants, and then um, just we have a lot of really special people that uh, provide all of the different services that uh, a family office might might need. And on the investment side, it's everything from traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, REITs, you know, public investing, to you know, in the real estate side, it's uh, uh, debt and equity on the on the uh, residential side. Everything uh, on the uh, on the commercial real estate side. So from multifamily to industrial, self storage, healthcare, mixed use, um, affordable affordable housing, mobile home, RV. Uh, everything you know through 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 the whole list there, and then we also do some one-off things like uh, life settlements is is an absolute return that we're really passionate about. Uh, we love precious metals, and that's one thing we may talk about today. May come back up in the post-pandemic world, and um, also venture capital. We do some early and late-stage venture capital as well. So uh, we've got a a, a, a really broad spectrum uh, that, uh, that, our, that our clients have access to. And it's been a lot of fun and I appreciate you having me on, but. All right. So the first one that I want to talk about for post pandemic, um, you're seeing some migration changes. So tell us what's happening there. Yeah. You know, I think, um, uh, you know, it's interesting how this, uh, this, this pandemic, you know, we actually were, uh, you know, we, we, we like to say that, uh, that we're, on the on the leading edge, and uh, we actually we do live events for our for our clients. And uh, back in January, before there were even any diagnosed cases in the United States, we shared with our clients that this thing was coming, and they needed to be prepared. We're we're real be- big believers in being um, contrarian and being being prepared. So you know, ten years into a bull market, we were really uh, we didn't expect uh, you know the pandemic to be as as uh, you know, a world stopper like it, like it has, has been, uh, but we knew something was going to happen. So we were really encouraging a lot of our clients to, uh, 
you know, to have capital reserves going into this thing. And so a lot of them were, you know, were well prepared and they had hedged their positions and they were in a, they were in a, in a really good spot going into this. Of course, it was a very difficult time for many businesses. A lot of our clients, uh, their businesses were closed during this time. And, um, you know, we, we were able to help them navigate a very difficult time and come out of it uh, even stronger. So a lot of our clients are on the medical and the dental side uh, are having some of their best months ever coming out of the pandemic, which has been, you know, really phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, these changes that we've seen coming out of this, um, you know, you're seeing this, this migration out of a lot of the big cities. I mean, you know, uh, 13,000 apartments that are empty in New York city right now. I mean, if you're a landlord in New York city, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, there, there, there's some blood in the streets there with uh, so many people leaving. You've got a lot of the wealthy that are leaving and you've got a lot of people and some of those areas are not, not, not paying their rents. Um, you know, we have seen with a lot of the multifamily uh, syndicators that we work with that uh, their rents have actually been just right on par with 2019. They haven't seen this massive drop off. So I know that is happening in some areas kind of depending on, you know, if you're in the on the lower spectrum of the uh, of the uh, asset type, but you know, if you're in the if you're in the the A's, you're probably doing fine. Your your B's and C's are probably doing okay, but you know, you're uh, hope. I don't know if you if you're m most of your clients are probably not in the D space, but you know, maybe I, I think you probably got a lot of value add guys in here that are you know buying C's and moving up to B's or buying B's and moving up to A's. So, um, you know, in those areas, uh, they're probably doing okay. Uh, but this rural, ruralization and um, I mean, it has changed uh, single family uh, home buying patterns. It's also uh, it's also affected multifamily. So I just think your, you know, your your syndicators uh, and your LPs need to be aware of some of those. So, you know, it, examples of some of those um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit on the residential side. So, um, you know, what do people want now? I mean, you're, we're, we're seeing these changes where. Um, there is a transition back to single family homes right now. So, you know, people uh, after being cooped up in their house for two to three months, they want a little bit of private space. So we're seeing uh, people want um, this kind of a staycation type of home. So they're wanting, um, you know, they're wanting a front porch. They're wanting maybe a screened backyard. Uh, many people are looking for his and her offices, or there's another trend where uh, some people are turning their, their, uh, their man caves or their she sheds into uh, external offices where they're actually, uh, you know, uh, turning, turning those uh, ex external, uh, I can't remember what they call them, but they're this external building from the house that's separated from the house uh, where they're actually turning that into a little office where they've got power and they've got internet. So they don't have to be in the house and they can have some separation there. So, uh, you know, I, I, we're seeing that as a trend um, on the multifamily side. I, I, we're seeing more of a trend back towards, more duplexes, triplexes, townhouses, you know, even in a, in a, in community, I know I've seen more of those pop up uh, lately. I get tremendous deal flow from not only from my sponsors, but also potential sponsors that are trying to get into our network, but I'm seeing a lot more of these planned communities with, um, uh, you know, that it, it's more of a, uh, you know, people have more private space. And I think that, you know, when people are working from home, and they're planning on being home for, you know, uh, you know, potentially, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, unforeseen amount of time. We don't know, know really how long this is going to last. But I mean, I do think that there are some permanent changes to the workforce and the way that people live and what people are looking for. And um, I think people are looking for, um, you know, uh, a little bit more rural than what they were looking for before. I know, 
anything that's on the beach or the lake is just is blowing up. We're actually uh, we're we're uh, I'm, I'm not we're really kind of out of quarantine now, but you know we're at the beach, and uh, I mean the the property uh, values down here have skyrocketed. Uh, there's been a lot of people moving out of the urban areas, and I mean it's really caused. Uh, a price skyrocket. So any, I mean, if you're doing anything on a, on a lake or on a beach community, I mean, that's, that's where, you know, people are thinking more about, it's not necessarily about uh, access and proximity to work. It's, it's more about lifestyle and having walking trails and having lakes and having, uh, uh, you know, private working space and having your own um, you know, access to your own yard and your, your little private space. I mean, I think that, um, you know, your, your, your syndicators and your LPs that are investing into, um, these projects need to really kind of take a lot of those considerations, uh, into, uh, into their due diligence when they're, when they're looking at bringing on uh, new investments or projects. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I have seen the mountain houses. So I live in up in the mountains and I've, I've noticed properties going up, uh, property values going up here, uh, mountain houses disappearing. So I, I see some of that migration myself, even though I don't live on the beach. Um, prices in, in Breckenridge, Colorado, prices in uh, Steamboat, Colorado, prices in Conifer, prices in Evergreen. Things are going fast and things are going up. So it's kind of interesting. Thank you for going into that. I want to talk a little bit about what banking changes you've seen post-pandemic as well. Yeah, sure. So, uh, great question. So, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we work with uh, with sponsors in a lot of different commercial real estate uh, asset types, and uh, we have seen some changes. You know, there was a really big tightening coming through uh, March and April, and you know, we had a lot of our sponsors that were in the middle of uh, you know closing on properties and financing, and you know, some of that really dried up, and you know, that a lot of the banks really tightened up their lending underwriting. So, you know, some of the changes that we've seen have been, um, so just, you know, for your, for your syndicators, uh, additional uh, capital requirements that are, that are to be held uh, in their, in their escrow accounts or in their operating accounts. So they've got a, a higher level of uh, capital that's, that's required. And uh, also the, the, the loan to value uh, has, has dropped on some of those, properties. So I know uh, that has, we've had several projects that were in the, in the middle and the, uh, you know, the sponsors had to go back and re-underwrite the deals uh, because their capital requirements were higher and uh, the loan to value was lower. And so, uh, you know, that uh, ultimately can, can affect your, uh, your investor return. So I think, um, you know, uh, investors and syndicators need to be uh, aware of those changes, um, it's loosened up a little bit. Uh, I think there's still it's there's still tighter underwriting right now. Um, you know, across the board, you know, interest rates are extremely low, uh, especially on the residential side. I mean, we're just seeing historic lows right now. So uh, you know, if you've got you know LPs out there or 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 equity, uh, if you've got guys that you know are having single family homes or small multifamily on their own, I mean, this is a really good time to lock into some historically low rates. Uh, you know, the Fed has come out and said that, you know, they plan on keeping uh, the Fed fund rate, you know, close to zero for probably up to two years. So, you know, we really think that um, we don't see a lot of upward pressure happening uh, with interest rates. We feel like they're going to stay low for, for quite a while. So, yeah, that really, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, cheap money out there. So that, you know, bodes well for, 
uh, investors and for syndicators, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, to really leverage and, uh, to, and to get into really good projects, especially I know, uh, you know, some of your syndicators are probably doing, uh, you know, interest only for, you know, the first, uh, you know, three to five years on some of those projects. So, you know, that, that, that certainly helps uh, the cash flow. And, you know, we don't know what interest rates are going to be down the road. So, you know, definitely some risk there that they need to, uh, to mitigate or hedge against. So, um, you know, locking into low rates should definitely be something that, uh, that your syndicators should, uh, you know, take into consideration. Is the worst yet to come? Uh, you know, um, great. You know, you told me you were going to ask me that question. You know, I am a, uh, I'm a, I'm an optimist. I'm a, uh, you know, I don't care what happens. Uh, I don't care who gets elected. Um, we're going to be fine. Our clients are going to be fine and we're going to find a way to work through this thing. So, uh, I don't think so. I mean, honestly, um, uh, I, I'm very optimistic about the future. You know, it's interesting even even through this pandemic, you know, almost everything that we're doing right now is just, I, I, I've used this word a few times, but scorching. I mean, everything is just rocking along and uh, it won't always be that way. I mean, typically, um, you know, if you look at, I mean, the stock market's on fire, precious metals are on fire, all of our real estate and our venture capital. I mean, like everything is just going now. And, uh, you know, I know it won't always be that way. And so we definitely... We're very, um, you know, we're very much about capital preservation and we're very much about risk mitigation and, you know, making sure that we're making uh, prudent investment decisions. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, in a really good place right now and we're, we're, we're prepared and we're contrarian. We're doing some things that other people are not doing. So, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like uh, the best is yet to come. So as far as uh, riots, um, the pandemic, uh, an economy that's been uh, a bull market for a long time, and on, on, on top of all of that, um, there's, there's a lot more happening right now. Whole economies are shut down. Let me ask you this question. I think this is really going to help the listener. What are you doing in your business to protect that downside? What asset classes are you looking at? Let's let's take it there. What what yeah. is Forrest doing? So uh, I'll talk a little bit. Just uh, I mean, and you know, I do the same things that I advise for my clients. So you know, we you know, as a as as a multifamily office, a lot of times our clients are looking to me to tell them. You know, a lot of times they ask me, you know, what what are you doing? I want to do what you're doing, and so. Um, you know, some of the things that we always do to mitigate against the, the downside, you know, one of the things is precious metals. You know, I've been investing in precious metals for uh, over a decade. And if you, you know, pay attention uh, to what's going on there, you know, we, we have uh, a very great uh, sponsor that, that, that we work with. I'll give them a shout out. It's, it's uh, McIlvaney Wealth Management and they're out in, in um, Durango. Uh, so not too far from you guys. And they've been my precious metals guys for over a decade. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, is, a, you know, it's a, it's a long-term strategy, but it's ratio trading. So, you know, a lot of times we trade, we watch things like the gold to Dow ratio and, and the gold to silver ratio. And, you know, we've just had some historic uh, ratio changes. So, uh, you know, a few months ago, 
uh, the gold silver ratio was over a hundred to one. It actually peaked out at over 120 to one. So for us, that was a historic moment. And so, you know, we had, you know, we were, were really um, investing into silver at that time. And so, you know, we had some clients, you know, buying in at 12 and $14 in silver. And in a very short time, you know, they've, uh, you know, they've doubled their money and the, the gold silver ratio is coming back down. So we're not quite to the trading point now, but that's certainly something that we keep an eye on. And when we hit the trading point, we'll roll that silver back into gold. And, you know, the end of the end of the game is, you know, uh, you know, having the most ounces in gold. And so, that's a very simple strategy that investors can do that, you know, once you take a position, you don't even have to continue to keep add more capital to it. You can, and I recommend that you should, especially with the U.S. dollar decreasing in value. And we've got our U.S. government that in all world central banks are printing tons and tons and tons of money, and that's going to devalue the currency. So, you know, I think investing into precious metals is definitely something that, uh, that investors should uh, should should be aware of and, and hedge against uh, against inflation that's coming up and against uh, 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 printing. Um, you know some other things that we do. You know on the in the commercial real estate. You know I, I mentioned this to you earlier. I mean two of the things that we really liked before the pandemic were self storage and industrial. And uh, we've got some really great sponsors in that and in those in those spaces. And you know to, some of the reasons we like that. You know obviously self storage. You know uh, you know. You know, it, it, you know, com comparing it to multifamily, you know, there's, uh, I mean, there's just, you know, there's no, there's no tenants, there's no toilets. I mean, the turnover is just, you know, the hose it out and get it ready for the next person. If somebody doesn't pay their, if somebody doesn't pay their bill, you don't have to evict somebody. They just change the, change the code and sell their stuff. And so, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a, it's a cash cow and uh, we definitely self storage is a, is a great, uh, investment. And then, you know, when, uh, anytime you have massive upheaval, uh, like we just talked about earlier, we talked about ruralization, you got a lot of people moving, moving out of the cities. And, you know, anytime you have people moving, maybe they're upsizing or downsizing, you have businesses that are dislocated that are maybe, maybe going to smaller space or moving. And, you know, uh, you know, I've seen a lot, you know, all different, um, you know, the restaurants, the bars, we got a lot of small businesses, a lot of times they have equipment, uh, and furniture. And a lot of times they'll put all of that. And one thing that a lot of people underestimate about self-storage is, you know, a lot of people think it's about, you know, people that are moving homes, but it's also for businesses. There's, that is a big part of it. A lot of businesses that are changing or downsizing their space, or if they're closing and they're re going to reopen in another space, they, a lot of times they're putting all of that in self-storage. So, uh, um, you know, there, there's uh, a, you know, really big uh, need there uh, for self storage, and so we, you know, we've been, you know, some of our, you know, we've done really well with our with our projects there, and then industrial. I mean, you know, uh, you know, who who hasn't heard of e commerce? And you see what Amazon's doing, and you see what Walmart is doing, and um, you know, all of that has to, uh, almost all of that goes through industrial warehouses. So some of that's that last mile delivery. So you know, everything that Amazon does is, you know, typically comes through, uh, you know, one of these industrial warehouses. So, you know, it, you know, uh, I'm sure the people that are watching, I don't know how many people are watching now, but I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of them have cardboard boxes showing up on their doorsteps every day. And so, it, you know, that just comes through an industrial warehouse. So, um, you know, that is, e-commerce is not going away. I mean, some people think that this is a temporary bump. This is not temporary. Uh, that's been a permanent change in the way that people shop and uh, the way that they buy things. 
And, you know, that, I, I don't think that's going away. And, you know, I, I just think industrial and self-storage are just two, two, two places that, you know, investors have to, have to definitely uh, keep an eye on. Um, you know, also, and on the, um, I'll talk about uh, on the venture capital side. You know, if you go back and you look at, um, a lot of people think that's counterintuitive to, you know, why, I mean, that's way risky to invest into startups or private companies. Um, if you go back and you look at during the global financial crisis from 2007, eight and nine, uh, there were more unicorn uh, you know, billion dollar companies that were launched during that time of upheaval uh, in the than the years since then, so you know we're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, startups that are you know that are out to solve problems in the world, and there's a lot of capital that's sitting on the sideline, and so uh, we kind of uh, we we mitigate our risk into uh, uh, those types of investments. Typically, we've got uh, some really good fund structures, so we've got an early early stage venture capital and a late stage venture capital. And uh, we, uh, by doing that through a fund structure, we would, re- we reduce our risk and our exposure, but we do take some direct uh, positions into some companies uh, that we feel really strongly about. So, um, you know, uh, just, you know, some of those are, uh, hopefully that helps a little bit on, uh, you know, some things that, you know, I'm personally doing and that, you know, that we, uh, that we expose our, our, our group to. And then, you know, uh, I've mentioned life settlements as well. You know, probably a lot of your listeners have probably, probably never heard of that or, or considered investing in that. Uh, but uh, it's funny, um, you know, if you have the TV on, you're probably going to see an ad for, you know, selling your life insurance policy. But uh, as an investor, uh, you know, we, we, have, um, we have access to several different funds that, that uh, what you see on TV is an aggregator. So there, there are aggregators that, that do marketing to the public and they, they, they uh, buy or uh, aggregate those life insurance uh, policies. And then uh, there are funds that actually buy those policies. And one of the reasons that we like to in, invest in that space is it's, it's what we call an absolute return. So if you look at that space, it's not dependent on the stock market. It's not dependent on uh, currency. It's not dependent on political upheaval. The only thing that that is dependent on is that, you know, people are eventually going to pass away. And if they, if they have their life insurance, I mean, that's a that's a that's a known entity. We know that that's the circle of life that people are born and people pass away, and um, uh, there's a way where that can be done so that uh, so it's a it's a win win transaction. So the people that are selling the policies, a lot of times the reason they're selling those is uh, because they might uh, they may not need the policy anymore, or they might need some capital. Sometimes they need uh, cash to pay for medical bills or. Uh, you know, uh, treatments, or maybe they just want to uh, cash out of the policies and they want to travel or do something or, or relocate or buy a house. So a lot of times, um, they, you know, they're selling that and it's a good transaction for the seller. And it's also a good, in, uh, it's a good transaction for the investor as well. So that's another one that it's not correlated to anything else that's going on uh, in the world. And so we like that. And uh, that's, that's a big risk mitigator as well. Ah, interesting. Thank you. Um, what should the listener be thinking about during these times? So, you know, I think, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll frame this because I know your listeners are kind of fall into two buckets. I guess you got your syndicators and you got your LPs. So, you know, if, if I was a syndicator, um, hopefully you guys are listening uh, to Adam. Uh, education is key. If I, if I was in your shoes and if I was a, if I was a multifamily syndicator, uh, I would be going to Adam's courses. I would be learning everything I could 
uh, from somebody who's got a lot of experience. And I would be uh, looking for ways to uh, co-GP with some really experienced uh, uh, operators. I would be learning the ropes. I would not try. There's a lot of guys that learn a little bit and then they try to go out on their own. And um, yeah, and those are the guys I, I would say for the LPs, I'll get to that in a minute, but um, you need to really make sure that the sponsors that you invest with have a really good track record. Um, you know, one thing, and let me say this too, for, for this, for, and this would be for your um, so for your, for your early syndicators or guys that are, you know, just kind of getting started, you really got to have an experienced partner. You got to have somebody who's been through multiple cycles. So if they haven't, you know, they haven't been doing this for a decade or so, uh, you need to you know really partner up with somebody who's got some scars and has been through some down cycles and knows how to, how to survive there. Cause, um, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, we've seen it. And I, uh, I've said this a lot of times, there's more multifamily syndicators in the world than there have ever been in the history of man. So there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to do this. Um, if you want to be the best at it, you really need to learn from some of the guys that have been doing it for a while. So, uh, learn your craft and, uh, don't underestimate the gray hair and the scars and the guys that have been really through it. That's, uh, don't underestimate that. That's critical. Where, where um, are you going to get when you have the blind leading the blind? Yeah, exactly. Nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and you don't, you got to be careful not to invest that. And if you guys are there, don't, don't have such a big ego that you think you know everything. Even if you had a successful career as an investment banker on Wall Street, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a really great multifamily syndicator. You got to have somebody that's been doing it for a while. So uh, don't underestimate the experience. Um, so, and I, I'd like to say this for your more experienced guys. I know you got some guys that have been in it for a while. So one of the things I'd like to say to you guys that have been doing this for a while, that, you know, these guys that have been in it, um, we work, as I mentioned earlier in the family office space. So if you want to up your game and you want to raise capital from family offices, um, I don't see many experienced multifamily syndicators that actually have a third party due diligence report. And that's one of the things that we look for in a lot of our uh, uh, sponsors. So we like to have family office level sponsors to support our community. So what does that look like? So that's somebody that can go to a family office that might be looking to write bigger checks. I mean, they might be looking to write a $2 million, $5 million, $10, $10 million check. And so if you're looking to raise capital from somebody like that, um, it's a must that you have a, a, a due diligence, third-party due diligence report. And I don't see many multifamily syndicators that have that. I'll drop some names here just for fun. Um, Factrite, Snyder Kearney, uh, Mick Law with Brian Mick and Buttonwood. That's four uh, really great groups that, uh, that we like and recommend. So uh, <clears throat> uh, definitely uh, reach out to one of them or reach out to us. We'd be happy to uh, share that or I don't know if you can put that in the comments or, or not. We can add that there. Uh, but, you know, if you really want to up your game and you want to raise capital from family offices or from multifamily offices, uh, you know, I think you guys really need to step up um, on the LP side. So I know you guys, uh, you got some guys that are watching. Um, uh, some of it's the same. Do your due diligence. Look at the track record. Uh, look at the people on the team. Uh, you know, make sure that there's some gray hairs on there that have been through multiple cycles. I think that's really important. Um, uh, you know, make sure that you talk with investors, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about not going into a first fund or sometimes even a second fund. I mean, we've got, you know, some of our sponsors have been doing, you know, half a dozen or dozens of funds. And so, you know, I think you've got a track record there that you can really uh, take a look at. So, you know, I think the, uh, 
the sponsor is more important than the deal. So a lot of times uh, when, when uh, limited partners or passive investors are looking at deals, um, they kind of get sucked into investment returns. And I think that's a big mistake. Um, you know, a lot of times it's about, it's about going in the right areas. So I would definitely think about pandemic shifts that we've seen uh, recently. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be buying in anything in New York City. Um, I'd stay away from, you know, we talked about, you know, the politicking. I mean, I would, you know, I'd stay away from some, you know, some areas that are, you know, having problems, you know, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, um, you know, and I, and personally, one thing, uh, and this is a good one, Adam, and this is a really good one right here. Um, when you're investing, not just in multifamily, but also kind of taking this a little bit bigger and looking at this pandemic world. And I didn't say this earlier. This was a, this is a new filter that we didn't have going into the pandemic, but essential versus non-essential. Like if I'm investing in a business or if I'm investing in a commercial real estate, I'm asking myself, is this an essential business or is this a non-essential business? So I'll give an example of that. So if we're doing like a single tenant, triple net lease, uh, commercial investments. So if I'm looking at two of these and I'm thinking, okay, over here, I've got a 7-Eleven or a Walgreens or a Dollar General. Uh, you know, if we have another nationwide shutdown, I'm going to get paid. But if I've got a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks or a sit-down restaurant, they could close down and I could be worried about getting my rent check. So, you know, that's one thing that I would definitely think about if you're looking at any of the commercial real estate space. You know, who's your tenant? Is it essential uh, or non-essential? And, you know, one of the things that we look at as well is, you know, you know, what are the demographics? I mean, I would be very careful about investing into states like uh, California or New York or Illinois, where you've got this immigration problem where people are moving out of those states. I love, I, I, I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a guess, Adam. What do you think my two favorite states are in the United States to invest in? You, you, I, bet you, I bet you can probably answer this one coming where my, I'll give you, I'll give you some Texas. hints. I'm talking about taxes and I'm talking about where people are moving to and where people want to be. Texas, I would say Texas, Texas is, is on the top, right? That's what that's one of them. I'm what's the, what's the other one? It's where I didn't tell the you Carolinas where I am. or Alabama or it's where I, was, I am. It's where I am right now. Did it? I didn't tell you. I told you I was at the beach. I didn't tell you which one, but Florida, Florida. Yeah. Oh. Florida and Texas. I mean, you know, uh, you know, two really great states. People are, you know, if I'm a multifamily syndicator, I want to go where the people are going to be and where the people are and where they're going to be. Skate where the puck is going, right? Man, that's right. That's a, that's a good, that's a good Wayne Gretzky right there. You know what? Why, why are you, why, why go somewhere where the people are leaving the state? Uh, and there's, you know, there's a lot of upheaval. I mean, if, if it was me, if I was doing multifamily, I, I, I honestly, I, and I don't, I don't, I uh, don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I probably wouldn't do anything outside of those two states. Last question. Well, actually, I, it's kind of two questions. Who do you serve and how do they find you? Uh, great question. You know, I think, um, you know, I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, you know, I think on the on, on the first level, I don't want to get too, too, too far off in the weeds here, but I'm a Christian, so yeah, I serve the Lord. And, uh, you know, obviously serve my, you know, my family, uh, you know, I love my family and, uh, you know, uh, you know, every everything I do you know, from a, you know, from our, from our family, you know, we're really looking to build a, a legacy, a family legacy for our family. That's, that's impactful. And that lasts, you know, beyond the time that we're here and, you know, really kind of as a business, I mean, I serve, I serve doctors and dentists. Those are my clients. Everything we do, we're a fiduciary. 
uh, to our clients. So uh, every, we've got an incredible team at High Speed Alliance that cares about our clients and we do everything we can uh, to make their life better. So whether that's um, you know, helping them grow their business, helping them reduce taxes, helping them get into the best investments. Um, you know, sometimes there's a lot of, uh, you know, personal uh, issues that, you know, that we have to help them with. So, you know, whether that's, um, you know, with family issues or marital issues or, you know, just, uh, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody has, uh, you know, some issues uh, on, the, on the personal, on the business, on the investing. And, you know, we help them clean up their messes. And we help them get focused on uh, the things that are important, help them focus on, uh, you know, creating freedom and legacy in their life. And, you know, uh, it ultimately about, uh, you know, maintaining the right perspective about, you know, just, you know, being good stewards to, uh, you know, to our community and to our family and, uh, you know, to our, you know, to our business community as well. How do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, great. Uh, Highspeedalliance.com uh, is, our, is our website. So certainly uh, welcome anybody to check us out there. Uh, my email is drb, D-R-B, at highspeedalliance.com. So uh, shoot me an email. Love to connect. If you've got, if you've got doctors or dentists in your, in your community that, uh, that, that would like to uh, connect with a, with a community uh, of, of like-minded investors, uh, that care about their family and care about their businesses and want to make the world a better place, uh, you know, sh- shoot me an email. And if you've got uh, sponsors in your community that are, you know, like I said, we, uh, we're, we've got uh, a lot of sponsors that are kind of you know, trying to beat the door down to get in. So we only work with like family office level sponsors. So, um, you know, for, for the, you know, if you've got some smaller guys out there, you know, uh, you know, keep, keep grinding and, uh, and, you know, keep work with, you know, some of the guys that are on the higher level. So, uh, you know, connect with Adam and, uh, let him help you, uh, get, get to the next level. But if you've got some family office level guys out there that are really experienced that, uh, that may want to connect with us, we'd be glad to talk with them. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, my friend, Think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.